Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Next month will mark 21 years since journalist Martin O'Hagan was murdered in the street in Lurgan. 21 years and his killers still roam the streets and his family have been picking up the pieces and fighting for justice ever since. Today's guest is Martin O'Hagan's brother Fenton, who is carrying that torch for justice. And truth. Welcome on today's podcast, Fenton. Thank you, Patricia. 21 years next month since yep. you lost your big brother. Mm-hmm. What's those 21 years been like? Yeah, uh, up and down, up and down. You know, you, you, you're given hope and then it's snatched away. And, you know, in, in my experience at the start, Everybody was assuring us, we know who it is, we're going to get them. Everybody being the police. And uh, so, as I've said numerous times, that, you know, your expectations is here. And they just gradually bring them down, bring them down. In the first investigation, uh, we met with detectives from South, my brothers, and they assured us that there was going to be, there was going to be arrests, there was going to be, um, we said, well, if there's was, was any, what if there's any police involvement? There's gonna we'll arrest them and they were gung ho and they were gonna get them and they knew who done it. Everybody knew who done it. And then at the time, about a month later, six weeks, they did arrest them. Or no, excuse me, they went to arrest them. The right people, the culprits who actually done it. <clears throat> but the main guy had fled, which you know, to any right-thinking person, that's an admission of guilt. Why else would you would you run away? So he ran away, and then uh, a couple of months later, he presented himself at Lisburn uh, Police Station. It was just it was just changing from the RUC to the PSNI, and he presented. Well, it was just changing when Martin was murdered. And he presented himself to the police station. They brought him in, apparently gave him a wee cup of tea. Uh, him and his solicitor then brought them to, it was either Bam Bridge or Lurgan, and let him go. That was four hours, wasn't it? He was questioned for four hours. We don't even know if he was questioned. 
but they let him go. And this 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 was the guy who planned it and who this guy drove the car. And uh, while the other guy shot him, shot Martin. And as I say, he ran away. So admission of guilt, run away. And then he goes with solicitor to the thing and they hold him for four hours, give him a wee cup of tea, bring him for a wee spin up the Lurgan or Balm Bridge and let him go. For anyone who doesn't know who has listened to this, Martin was murdered by the Loyalist Volunteer Force. Yep. And he is the first journalist to have been targeted and killed for his work during the Troubles. Do you believe it was Martin's work that led to him being murdered, his exposés of collusion, of, of paramilitaries, of, of their activities, and in particular, the Loyalist Volunteer Force? Without a doubt. Uh, without a doubt, he was, uh, he was rotten in cages. He, you know, he, he had been, uh, he received death threats from uh, Billy Wright. And it was Billy Wright's, crew after Billy Wright was killed himself it was his crew that murdered Martin it was part of his uh, gang and you know the the really galling hurtful thing is Martin made it easy for them because he he moved in beside them and to this day myself and my brothers are incredulous about that there but can't go back and when you say he moved in beside them, he was living on the fringes of a loyalist estate in Lurgan, yeah. which kind of, you know, put more of a target on his back, in a sense. Made it easy for him. And he drank in the same pub every week. And he had a routine. He was a creature of habit. Him and his missus, Maury, God rest her. Uh, they drank in uh, Father Joe's pub and the, the walked home. That they lived, say, maybe 10 minutes walk from it, and they at home, a few drinks in them, uh, and they'd done the same thing every week. And these people just actually, the week before it happened, one of the one of the gang, uh, you know, a prominent member of the LVF gang, uh, shouted, uh, We're clocking you, Hagen. Shouted it to him? Shouted it at Martin, We're clocking you, Hagen. And uh, the next week, they murdered him. They murdered him. And shot him in the back. Fenton, take me back to the night that Martin was killed in the street. When did you first hear that your brother had been shot? Yeah, at the time, I was living in town and I was living next door to a pub. And it, uh, the railway bar, and myself and my wife and we're watching TV, it was about 11 o'clock and it was banging on the door and uh, the guy who owned the pub uh, <clears throat> excuse me he was banging on the door and I went out and he, he says have you heard anything? and I says what do you mean? he says uh, I've, I've heard Martins was shot and I said is he dead? and Noel said I don't know, one put his head down. And I knew, I knew then. And he's fair play to him, he says, will I bring you up? And I says, no, I'll uh, let my, get in touch with my brothers. So I got in touch with my, uh, uh, three other brothers and we drove around, got them up, drove up to the, the murder scene and Martin was still on the road. And, 
his wife was just hysterics as you, you know as, as you would be and it was just awful uh, you know you hear you know right down through the, the the troubles you hear about this one's you know people's been murdered people's been and it's all murder you know mm-hmm. people's been you know should it be a cop should it be a Brit should it be uh, it's all murder and their mommies all feel the same and but when you hear somebody you say oh god that's awful but you don't realise how awful it is until you know it comes to your door and you know I I thought my heart you, you heard people saying you know the heart broke I thought my heart was going to break and it was it's awful and it was you know it was awful for me as his wee brother, but it's ten times worse for his wife. Hundred times, ten times, hundred times worse for his wife and his his three daughters. You know, it's just and yeah, it just decimates a family. It ruins. It just wrecks everything. And you know, people hear about the murder, but they don't. It's the ripple effect. And like my ma, yeah, my my ma and, and Martin's wife Maury share the same name as and uh my ma was dead three years later broke her wee heart couldn't get over it. just yeah uh, just broke her wee heart and my dad died a year after that so within three years of martin's murder both your parents had passed away and it did kill them it did my ma died of a broken heart you know they, they didn't just murder Aaron Morton, they murdered my ma and helped my dad. It helped my dad die too. They, no, no, they just, they just couldn't get over it. They, 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 they just couldn't handle it. Like my ma was in her 70s, my dad was in his 70s and you know, you're you're not supposed to lose your son. Like out there, your eldest son. And uh, Maury's wife, or sorry, Martin's wife, Maury's God rest her, she's dead now too. Uh, 20 years later, uh, you know, she wrecked her too. Uh, Just never got over it. And it's it doesn't help then, Fenton, that you and your family have to continue on and push for, for justice, something that should have been given to you. Well, the fact that... Everybody knew who it was, you know. And Morton moved up there uh, on the outskirts of Moranby. And do you see that 99.9% of the people in Moranby are just the same as the people down here? You know, we you know we, we all have to go to work. We all have to pay our bills. We're all the same type of people. And 99% of them people are good, decent people. And the embarrassment they felt that it was done on their patch. And the, the, the many people who stopped me in the street, people from Warnby, people I knew, people, people I knew from, from years ago, you know, stopped me in tears and apologising to me. And I'm saying, listen, it's not your fault. It's... Uh, it affected the whole area, the whole community. It did, you know, the, the 
like Aaron Morton was a controversial fella, but uh, the, the the people who who approached me, come to my door, come to my brother's doors, brought mask cards, uh, you know, people who uh, Morton might have had a fall fallen out with, might have might have been rubbed up the wrong way, antagonized by one of his stories. Everybody just sat that aside and we're just that this is wrong. This is you know, walking home with your with your wife after a few pints in the pub and you know, these people shoot you in the back because they would have perceived Martin as a Catholic. Martin had no religion, no time for religion. Uh and he was an easy target. And uh you know People who lived in that area, in the Moorview area, actually told me who done it. And of course, I told it to the police. The police said, well, we know we're going to get them. 21 years later. You know? And they know every... You know... But our problem is now... We know that... The, that we know that the police know all the details and all the facts but our worry is now is did they know beforehand because we're pretty sure that intelligence knew beforehand uh, the fact that we, <laughs> there's 53 or 56,000 hours of intelligent recording, voice recording, filming on the LVF in this area, fifty six thousand hours. So how could that's one reason? And what, is that over a certain time period? That's over a certain time period, but the, b- no, before this is, and after Martin's murder. Uh, before, and not just on the gang that did it. Well, they're they're you know they're all the one gang, but. From Lurgan Pody Down, an intelligence investigation in them recorded 56,000 hours. I didn't make it up, that came from the police. And uh, so, how could the, you know, that's one reason. So, that's why you would believe that they, they, they could have known beforehand that Martin was going to be targeted by the LVF? Yeah. And not only that, but about three years ago, uh, this guy came into my place of work, and actually before years this August, and uh, this guy came in, shaking like a leaf. I knew there was something up. Can I talk to you? I brought him somewhere private, and he told me he didn't tell me his right name, but he told me who he was. Give me an idea. He was uh, an ex-soldier. He showed me his pension book, and. You know, he's been looked into by our uh, solicitors, uh, KRW Law, and he was an ex-soldier. <clears throat> and he told me that he came from a loyalist background in East Belfast, and indeed his, his own dad was murdered, and his dad was murdered by the provost. Uh, so he told me that he, he had joined the army, the army actually come to his school and recruited him when he was 16, which was strange. 
and him and a couple of other guys, and uh, he, uh, the army then, he he was out in patrol and doing stuff, and he was in Lurgan, and so the the, the army intelligence approached them. Listen, we uh, we want you to work for us, but this time he was about eighteen, nineteen. So he said, "No problem." So they they embedded them in the LVF. Lurgan put it down, uh, and he uh, he was there in a conversation when they were planning to murder Martin. So he went to his handler, his intelligence handler, who was a captain in the army. And he went to him and he said, right, they're, uh, they're going to murder Martin O'Hagan, the journalist. And uh, his captain says, his captain asked him all the details, obviously. And, and uh, he, uh, the captain says, right. Leave it with me. So he took that. He took that as, uh, you know, he nailed them. They're going to, he had supplied all the details. Well, all, everything he knew. And this guy actually told us that he went to the arms dump, collected the weapon and gave the killers the weapon. Yeah. Now this guy that I was this all didn't come out in the first meeting because, and when he came to my place of work, uh, first thing I did was ring my solicitor, uh, Kevin Winters, and KRW Law and Nell Murphy, and they said, "Can you get him in?" And then the guy agreed to come in the next day. So this was a Thursday. The next day, we were sitting in Kevin Winters' office in Belfast. That afternoon, Kevin Winters had approached the ombudsman, uh, approached the police. He'd got it all, everything done, statements and all sorted. So this guy said he went to the arms dump, lifted the weapon, supplied the weapon to the murderers, uh, told his handler, his intelligence handler, that Martin was going to be murdered. His intelligence handler says, leave it with us, we'll sort that out. Right? Next week, or the next uh, Friday, the murder of Martin. The very next Friday. The very next Friday, they murdered him. And so the ex-soldier, uh, he went to his handler. What's, what the F's going on here? I told you they were going to kill that man and you let him die. And the handler says, what do you care? He's an ex-Republican prisoner. What do you care? And uh, so... I can't, I'm not a policeman. I can't verify this guy's telling the truth. Uh, but we've told the police. We've told the ombudsman. The police haven't, are yet, this is near four years, they are yet to interview that fellow. And we met with the police, with the legacy uh, department and in Kevin Winter's office. And we told them everything. Held that back. Told them everything. Right, so away he went, says he's going to investigate it, and away he went. He came back a few months later, meeting again in, in KRW's office in Belfast. Uh, this guy's no good. 
What do you mean he's not good? This is the man who came to you with this information, the the Army Intelligence Officer. Yeah, the soldier who was working for Army Intelligence. So we says, right, well, explain. Can't. What do you mean you can't? You can't just tell us he's no good and let it go at that. Sorry, uh, the expression they use, it's a, a security matter. We says, no, hold on a wee second. Prove. Prove to us that he's no good. We can't. But how, how can you can't just this guy saying he, he he supplied the weapon? This guy's telling us details that nobody else could know, and you're just going to tell us that it's no good, and we're supposed to accept that? And they still haven't interviewed him. And they still haven't give you a good enough reason as to why they he's explained this. That just sorry, we can't security reasons. So you we. Know, this individual was good enough to work as a an intelligence officer for the army, but he's not good enough to be a witness in the murder. Well, yeah, well, you know, you think you think that they would interview him and clear it up, and, and if he is no good, that's okay. But then, you know, explain this why he knows so much. Explain this he's he's admitting to having supplied the weapon. That's conspiracy to murder. Why have you not talked to him about that? It's it's absolutely nuts, and you know we're as a family we're completely and utterly on board with the peace process, uh, and but it's so just like a, uh, 2000, 2001, you know the new 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 future, uh, PSNI, new hope, uh, but the. You know, they badly, badly let us down. Badly let us down. And, uh, I, you know, where, where do you go? You need a police force. We, we, we can't live in anarchy. I have children, I have grandchildren. You need a police force in case, you know, the, every society needs a police force. But this police force has let us down. And it it needs to change. And the only way to change it in my view, and I, I don't subscribe to any political party, uh, I am a Republican, but only by peaceful means. I wouldn't kill for it, I wouldn't die for it, only by peaceful means. But, you know, we need to change the, the police force, we need to change it from, and I think the only way to change it is from the inside. Young, I hate labels, but young nationalists, young Republicans, young uh, GAA, like a, 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 a GAA squad, they've got degrees coming out of their backside. All that young talent, a lot of that young talent needs to go into the police force and change it from the inside for a police force for everybody. Every, like I think it was Craig said, a Protestant police force for Protestant people. Not in the 21st century. We need a, we need a police force for all the people. And the only way to do that is from the inside, I believe. When did you first realise, Fenton, that Martin's murder wasn't being investigated the way it should mm. have been? When I first realised things weren't right, they had promised us the earth, moon, the stars, and you who had done it. By this stage, we knew who had done it. We knew all the ins and outs. They knew all the ins and outs. But nothing was done. So... At that time, there was a department in the police called the Retrospective Murder Inquiry Team, 
which was looking at murders that happened after the Good Friday Agreement. The historical inquiry team, or the, the I guess right, with the historical inquiries, they were murders that happened before the Good Friday Agreement. Uh, the retrospective boys, they were after the Good Friday Agreement, which is where we fell in. And they brought a guy in from Scotland, brought a guy in from Wales, and all of a sudden these guys started to make progress. These guys started to, uh, they were, I was the family liaison with them, and I knew then that we're getting somewhere. So I thought, well, why were we not getting somewhere when it was the local boys? Why, why were we running around chasing each other? We were getting promises, but they were chasing each other's tails and nothing was happening. So that's when I realised we needed an outside force here to look at it because there's too much of a hangover from the RUC in the PSNI at that time. And I'm, I'm not torn the whole PSNI. There's good guys in there. And as I keep saying, we need a police force and there's good people in there. But there is a force within, within I, I come to the conclusion there's a force within the police or outside the police putting pressure on the police, which has an agenda from the old RUC, could be special branch, could be MI5. I'm not a security expert, but there's some dark forces in there. And <clears throat> these guys come in, this guy, especially this big guy from, from uh, Scotland, and he kicked it wide open. He kicked the gate open. And uh, witness A, he came forward in 05, 06 to the retrospective murders inquiry team. And he gave them, and he come to, and he, he, he come and he said he had information on the, he, he got in touch with the, the big Scotch fellow, the big Scotch uh, detective. And, uh, you know, the thing about this, these guys were keeping us informed right along the way and they were, they were, uh, they were brilliant. And, you know, so, uh, witness A came forward. He was part of the cleanup team after the murder. And he gave them, he gave the police everything, blow by blow. This was in uh, 05, 06, blow by blow. So the big Scotch fellow, the big Scotch murder detective, he said, uh, why are you only coming forward now? He says, what are you talking about? I come forward two days after the murder. So the 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 big uh, Glasgow guy, he went, done his job, and he seen it in writing. It was in writing that, yes, this guy had come forward two days after the murder, told him who it was, told him the mechanics of the whole thing, told him all about the cleanup, and nothing was done. So they knew two days after it, and they had a witness. They had a witness two days after it, and they'd done nothing. So then the Scotch guy, he verified everything that the guy was saying. He verified that it was in writing, that he had come forward two days after it. So he went, uh, he, he went, uh, what's going on here? Are you, are you protecting? He asked the question, the crucial question, are you protecting people? Are you protecting agents here? And he never got an answer. 
but to him it was obvious they were. So, they arrested the culprits, the right people, they arrested them all. How many um, people were arrested, Fenton? Can you uh, remember? You know, it, 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 it started off with maybe six or seven, then they whittled it down. Right. But there was one, two, three, one, two, three, four. Four people that were arrested were charged. Now, one of the guys that was arrested, this is public knowledge, a fella called Hyde. Neil Hyde, that's right. Neil Hyde. He admitted it. He, he, he admitted everything. And he made statements uh, incriminating the rest of them. So you had witness A told his story. Hyde told his story, which verified witness A's story. That's it wrapped up. That's it done. So I happened to be away. It was my more, uh, wedding anniversary or something, and I was away for a couple of days. The Scotch detective rang me in tears. I, I said, what's going on here? And he rang me, and he was in tears, and he said, they're taking me off the case. I, what? What did she have just made arrests? I know, and he was actually crying. They've took me off the case. He said, this stinks. This stinks. Don't let it go. It stinks. And I, I just, I was dumbfounded. And so it was okay. His, what's the expression, his, own, his subordinate, he done the interviews. He uh, oversaw the interviews. A couple weeks later, took him off the case. Whose decision was this? That's what I said. What's going on? They said it's lo- it was logistics. And they used the big Scotch fellas vocabulary. He says, logistics, my bollocks. Because we are making progress. This is a policeman. This policeman's an armed magistrate. This is not some hearsay idiot. Yeah? So, they took him off the case. They took the Welsh guy off the case who had overseen the interviews and who had uh, torn Hyde. Now Hyde now became a witness. He became an assistant offender. Yeah. From what I remember, I read read the court case. He became assist, an assisting offender, so he agreed to help. Yeah. He gave evidence. He admitted to handling the murder weapon used to murder Martin. Yeah. And... What happened there then? What happened there was uh, he got a, a a deal, something like two years, got a new identity. He got, he got, his sentence was going to be reduced to two years no matter what it was. He got a new identity in England. He's living somewhere in England, witness protection. So then after they gave him all that, they said he was, uh, he, he was no good as a witness and they couldn't proceed with the case. They had to drop the charges. Now you had witness A, uh, told the whole story, told everything correct. Then you had Neil Hyde verifying everything that witness A had said. But excuse me, I should have told you they had dropped witness A because he had a he had prior convictions. But anybody in this game or that game has prior convictions. They're not they're not upstanding citizens. You know, if they're upstanding citizens, they wouldn't be involved with a drug-dealing, murderous, bloodthirsty rabble. So 
They said he was no good a witness, and then they said Hyde was no good a witness, but they'd already give Hyde a reduced sentence to two years, two years for conspiracy to murder. Uh, so Neil Hyde was convicted in relation to Martin. He was convicted, but got a sentence reduced, got a new identity, got a new life. Then they said he was he he, he was he was he was uh, an expression he used, but it basically meant he was no good as a witness. So you had two witnesses, both of them saying the same stuff. One was dropped because he had a record. This the new guy was dropped because then there was uh there had been he had said that he was uh he was not in the LDF, but then they had uh a police police woman's evidence that she had been either recording or filming at his sworn in. So they were recording and filming this gang before Martin's murder, but the murder still went ahead. And you're telling me, Fenton, sorry to interrupt, that the PSNI actually has footage of people being sworn into the LVF. Yeah. People that could be charged with being members of a prescribed organization. And yeah. they didn't use it to, to convict them of that, but used it to stop a conviction in the case of your they the murder of your it, brother. Yeah. They used it as an excuse not to go ahead. Now, there's three old guys were charged, uh, charged with lesser offences. Two guys called King Brothers. Two brothers called with the surname of King. Another guy with the surname of Lackey. They had all been charged on the evidence from Hyde. Hyde got a reduction in a sentence. Hyde got a new identity. Then they're telling us that Hyde's evidence is no good and he's no good. But he already got all the all the all the rewards. So the the charges were withdrawn. And they all walk free. They all walk free. And Mr. Hyde's living under a new identity in England, carefree. Carefree. And you know, as I say, but we you know as Brian Candy says, that's not all. The guy Witness A, the guy who come forward two days after the murders, the guy who come forward again five years later, uh, they said, no, he's no good. He's got a record, a CD record. And, but as I say, good people aren't involved in these things. Uh, so they says, no, his evidence is no good. We can't use his evidence. Hyde had already corroborated his evidence, but they said, no, his evidence is no good. We can't use that there. Turns out he was a paid informer the whole time. And this just came to light in a spotlight program. The searches in the spotlight program found out that the whole time this guy was a paid informer. They weren't paying him because his evidence was no good, because his, his information was no good. They were paying him because his information was good. But yet, all the information he gave on my brother's murder was no good. But they'd been paying him the whole time for other information. There's one word we haven't mentioned yet, and I mean, I don't, I don't even have to say it because anybody listening to this podcast will will have that word in their head already. Collusion. Yeah. Uh, at the time, you know, after it, I I come to the conclusion that. There was collusion, but I thought there was collusion after the fact. 
because it was obvious that they were protecting these people and it was obvious that, uh, that you know, these people were agents and they were protecting them. So, but now when the, the soldier has come forward and his evidence hasn't been investigated, right, you know, prove to me, prove to me that that, that, that he's telling lies. Uh, but now, now I believe there was collusion before the fact and after the fact. You know, you've got 56,000 hours of, of... Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The recordings. Recordings. You've got recordings of Neil Hyde getting sworn in. You've got uh, uh, two obvious agents. So there was collusion before the fact and after the fact, and they're still protecting these people. And I said that the the another when the the they took the Welsh guy and the Scots guy when the two came back across the water, another guy came in, uh, but he was a local guy. And there's a police officer, sorry, there's a police officer, uh, a ranking police officer. And he started to manage my, myself and my brother's expectations down. But he has since retired. And I said to him, I met him after he retired. I had a good relationship with him. And I met him after he retired. And I says, why are they still protecting these people? And he said, do you see if you hear? He said, now these, these people are, at the time the cops told me that this guy, the main guy, the, the driver, 
was the biggest importer of drugs in the north of Ireland, maybe Ireland, yeah? And the biggest importer of, at that time, was it meth? Methamphetamine. Meth, that or what? Or amphetamines. Uh, one of them things, and he was the biggest importer, and then went on to be a big importer of cocaine. But at the time, he was the biggest meth importer. They said, well, why are they still protecting him? He said, you see, every time you hear of a big, big drugs burst, in especially in Mid Ulster, that's him. He's so providing the information. He's still, he's still working for them, and he said that's him. Do you believe that your brother's life meant less to the police, the security forces, and MI five than that of their informers? Oh God, it's just. Gollum. It's Gollum. Uh, and do you know what? Do you know what gets me? The security forces made 40 years of mistakes. The, you know, they made mistake after mistake and, you know, made things worse in, in, in some cases but they haven't learned their lesson they're still making mistakes they're still protecting they're still protecting uh, the bad guys you know look at steak knife 50 murders and he was a, in, and he was an agent you know so it's not just loyalists it's, it's, it's all over and they're still making the same mistakes over and over again and they're still protecting these people they're still protecting uh, narco terrorists you know, like they don't, they call themselves loyalists. They're not loyalists. David Irvine was a loyalist. Uh, you know, and that's okay. That That's a legitimate aspiration. But these guys are not loyal. These guys are just bloodthirsty rabble. So they are. It's sickening the, you know, the, the way the whole thing has unfolded, as I said, back in uh, Good Friday Agreement 2000, 2001, you know, was such hope. Uh and with a new police force, which we need a new police force, but they're just making the same mistakes. Uh, and that is, that's crushing, that we're giving so much hope and, and, and then the same thing's going on. You know, protecting, uh, putting innocent people's lives below protecting their informants. And they've done that right through the whole troubles. And they're still doing it. I'll give you a quick example. Uh, on the night Martin was murdered, he was in his local pub, Fajos, him and the missus having a few pints, and he left. Now, there was a guy in the pub with no his name. It's been verified. It's not hearsay. It's all been verified by the police. He made a phone call to tell these guys, to tell the murderers, Martin's left the pub. O'Hagan has left the pub. Now he made that, that's proved that's not hearsay, that's been proven by the police. He made the phone call, called called to have the records, called the phone, uh tipped them off that Martin was leaving, then they murdered him. Nah. So we said, Well, that's conspiracy to murder. Why is this guy not charged? So the police arrested this guy. I'm just 
uh, for legal reasons, I'm struggling not to say his name because I know his name. The police arrested this guy. And so then when when we asked, when the police asked him, you know, what what, what was the crack here? You know, he says, I, I, I thought he was only going to get a kicking. So he was admitting, and they had the records, the, the phone records, and he was admitting that he had made the phone call, tipped them off, O'Hagan's left the pub, and he said, oh, I thought he was only going to get a kicking. He's never been charged. And, you know, our legal people have been saying, why is this man not charged? I thought he was only going to get a kicking. That's okay then. It's really unbelievable. Oh, flip. I'm like, that's not here, said that's... The records, are, the phone records are there. The police have admitted that. The police have told us uh, he thought he was only going to kick. And I let him off then. And, they let him, and he still hasn't been charged. How do you cope with this as a family? And I'm not talking about the loss of Martin. I'm talking about these blockades, this constant being let down, you know, being given hope, them having it taken away and... And the heart of knowing that the people who have admitted to murdering your brother or being part of that are just giving a Bible and going about your day, it's all right, don't worry about it. It's hard to live with. <laughs> you know, the, the whole zigeist there is talking about men's mental health. This could ruin your mental health. You know, you have to sort of put it in a box and uh, get on with your, you know, I have children, I have grandchildren. You have to get on with your life, but it's always there. It's always gnawing at you. And then when you look at, you know, when you look at the news, look at, look at that young lady in, in Derry, Lyra McKee. Who are they protecting her? Like the police wouldn't knew the next day who pulled that trigger. He still not has him. You know, what's going on there? Uh, what's going on with the we know Donoghue? What's going on there? Uh, you know, they're withholding information. So it's still going on. You know, have they not learned any lessons? Is it not a new police force? Is it uh, when when they're still making the same mistakes over and over and over? It's sickening. It's corrupt and it's sickening. And we need an, out, an outside police force to look at this. And it's got nothing to do with religion. It's got nothing to do with politics. It's it's got to do with bad policing. For a journalist to be murdered, I mean, that sets a very dangerous precedent. Yeah, well, Martin was the first journalist to be murdered. Young Lear McKee was the second journalist to be murdered. What's changed? Veronica Guerin was murdered in the Republic of Ireland. They changed the flipping laws. They changed the constitution. They, they, they went after them and they, and they nailed them. What did they do here? Under the rug, under swept it away under the rug, you know. And I, every time I see that Lear McKee's name coming up in the news, it breaks my heart because they're doing the same thing there as with the Little Moira Martin. Canada. They're protecting, they're protecting the people that done or the person that done it. You know, they're they're, they're putting the cart before the horse. They're 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 protecting the bad guys, and 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 it's the good guys that that's uh, suffering. Absolutely. And, you know, have they learnt nothing from all them years 
uh, you know, of their, their 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 games. Sometimes it seems to me that over over the you know from over the troubles when was the first murder sixty six, and then it just escalated and escalated. Sometimes it seems to me that the 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 the, the securocrats used the north of Ireland as like a for war gaming. No, they they used it like a a, a sphere to do their wee war games and their play their wee play out their wee intelligence scenarios. And to a lesser extent, they're still doing it. War gaming in our in our home. What damage do you think Martin's murder has done on the freedom of the press in Northern Ireland? Oh, yeah. I'll give an example. I'll give two examples. There was a, there was an interview done by the Sunday World in Dublin on our Martin and his anniversary. Remember his anniversary, 20th anniversary. And the guy, it was a erstwhile colleague of Martin's who they interviewed. And I, I was listening and I just couldn't believe it. They never once mentioned the elephant in the room, the, 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 the fact that, you know, it's glaringly obvious that there was collusion here, there was collusion before the fact, after the fact. Done the whole interview and this guy never mentioned it once. He talked a whole big load of nonsense. The same young lady interviewed another Sunday World guy about the the murder or the the death of uh, Johnny Adair's sidekick Skelly. And in part of the interview, he said these are extra. These were two extraordinary people. He was lionizing them. These two murdering psychopaths. And he was lion, lionizing them. Why was he was he was he playing to that audience? Was he afraid? Maybe the journalists are now afraid to tell the truth because they don't want to end up like I'm Martin. I mean, there's not a year that goes past that we don't hear about journalists being threatened in Northern Ireland. And yes, the threats come from both sides, but the majority of them have come from loyalist paramilitaries. I mean, has has Martin's death emboldened? You know, certain paramilitaries to make those threats. Do you think, or I well, uh, yeah, it it worked. They got away with. It. So if 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 you do something and you get away with, it, you're going to do it again. If you do something and you get nailed for it and you get life imprisonment, you're not going to do it again. But if you get away with, it, you're going to keep doing it. And yeah, uh, I suppose it's it's it, it, in a roundabout way, it's the state controlling the media. Through fear. Well, we go back to, I mean, Martin's childhood growing up. He was the oldest uh, member of the family and, and throughout his life and, and and go through how he got into journalism. Well, Martin was always a bit of a, he was always radical and he was always, uh, he had seen himself in the late 60s. You know, obviously you, you had civil rights. You had, what was happening in America with uh, Martin Luther King and, the Kennedys and stuff. And he was a child of that era. And he was a revolutionary. He was he considered himself a Marxist. He was a Marxist. Uh, and he uh, 
He went away to Dublin to work and live and uh, he got involved with uh, he got involved with uh, people in Dublin when when uh, it was before the split in the IRA and then when the split happened uh, he, rem- he 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 didn't go with provost and but it was more so martin joined ira and, um, and he became a member of the official ira yeah no no he actually would have been a member to my knowledge he was just a wee lad i was just a kid but he would have been a member of the ira then the split happened with the provost and he stayed with the official ira but I don't even know at that stage if he was actually a member. I think he was just, you know, running with that crowd and he was a revolutionary and he, and he, and he, but he wouldn't have been, uh, involved in violence. Well, he, 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 he wouldn't have been as hard line in that way, I don't believe. But then when internment happened, uh, the, like a whole lot of doors that, Kicked our door in, and like we were, my dad at the time had his own business, and we were living in a in a mixed area. And they came in and they racked our house, and I was only about ten, nine or ten, and the the they racked our house, and the, they didn't get Martin, uh, but they got him a few weeks later, <clears throat> in Kilkenny, and they interned him, and that probably radicalised him. That's the, the buzzword now. That's you know that they are. Muslim friends that the radicalization and uh, that radicalized him in in in, in Longcash and he was interned. How long was he interned for? Oh God, over a year anyway. I can't I can't remember exactly, but well over a year. And I suppose that cemented his his uh, official IRA credentials. And uh, then he he got out and. He was, he, he, he was, he was arrested then with, uh, he was moving weapons and he was arrested and he got seven years. And, uh, in the meantime, he had, uh, he'd got, he'd got married. He, he married, uh, a Protestant girl. And then he got out from being interned and there was, my sister's best friend was murdered in a bomb, Provo bomb. And I think that just that's second, obviously second all of us. But I think that's second Martin. He's seen the futility of violence, and he's seen the he see what a bomb does to somebody, and he and he that that just that was him finished. That was the murder of Philomena Green. Was and uh, which was just sixteen year old lovely lovely girl. She was she was in there by house all the time with my sister Joanne and. Yeah, uh, it was awful. And what what was the circumstances of that, Fenton? If for anybody listening who was wasn't aware of Philomena's murder, yeah, <clears throat> uh, my sister and Philomena and, and another girl, Nula, they were out, out for the night, and my my dad didn't live with us, and he, he had his own wee house, but he was in he had, he had uh, mental health issues, and he was in the hospital. So when my sister seen the light on in his house, she thought, "Oh, my dad must be out of hospital." So they called in, opened the door, bang. Uh, 
Philomena was killed right away. And uh, professional IRA had planted a bomb yeah. at your father's house. Yeah. And uh, you know, for me, from probably my whole family that was seen, you know, this is not right. You know, that you know, this is not the way to do things. You know, and as I say, I I am a Republican, but I think it's a mistake. I think the violence was a mistake, and because there's a better way of doing it. And uh, you know, even for bringing good working class Protestants along with us, you're not going to bring them along with us if 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 you're planting bombs and and cheating. So I believe to bring the whole working class along with us, the, the peaceful way, the civil rights way was a better way of doing it. Uh, so as you said, you believe that the, the murder of Philomena by the IRA could have been a turning point for Martin? I, you know, it, that was suggested to me by a, a journalist on, on, at the time when he suggested it to me. A BBC journalist suggested to me and I said, I, I don't know, I don't know. But then I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And I said, Jesus, that, you know, I could, that, that could be right. Because it was such, it was such a shock, you know, and God love Philomena's mommy and daddy, or his daddy's past now, but and the whole family it just wrecked that whole family, and it, it had a devastating effect on our family because my sister was it was my dad's house, and it was my sister was with her, and uh, excuse me, uh, Nula's Nula Nula Bork, and it was just. And why would the uh, the provisional IRA target your father's house? Well, they said while my dad was in hospital, they said that. Uh, the Brits were using the house, which was nonsense. But uh, uh, but it just I I think it, it turned our whole family against against using the uh, showed us the futility of violence. Like what changed? Nothing changed. Uh, it didn't bring us any closer to uh, a republic uh, or a socialist republic. Didn't bring us any closer to that. And uh, I think it had a, a, a had a devastating effect on the whole family, but I think that was the last nail in the coffin of Martin's novel analogy there. But it was the that was Martin finished with the uh, political violence, and uh, or, or or support for political violence because there's you know there's no evidence to say he was ever involved in political violence. Uh, but that was that was the end of that and. Even as I say, uh, Maury, in, in Lurgan, we say the eye end of the town, <laughs> which means you're a Protestant, and this end of the town means you're a Catholic. But I, Martin, wasn't a Catholic. He, he, he had no time for religion. He hated religion. And he hated bigots even more, which is ironic that bigots would end up killing him. But uh, so I, Martin, Maury, the girl from the end of the town, had in the end three youngsters. And his three youngsters, he sent... Uh, uh, integrated education. Now in the seventies, like I remember being me and him in a pub in seventies, and whatever way the conversation was going, one of the boys and the was a big gang of us all sitting drinking, and one of the guys says, "What what school do you just go to?" Our Martin said, "He named Brown, he named the school. What, what sort of schools?" I said, it's "Integrated education," and everybody was going, "What? What's what's that?" But yet, no, he was. Adamant, I'm sending my children into great education, and 
it's I do believe that it's the only way forward too. You, you know, if you went go to school with somebody, you're less likely to be throwing petrol bombs at them. And I believe in an integrated education too. But so he was uh he was groundbreaking, he was uh, you know, one of the first people first person I knew to send his kids to an integrated school. And uh, he he had no time whatsoever for religion. He hated bigots. He he was you know, when uh the peace process. Then he went back to school, got his degree, went back to Queens, I think it was, or Jordan's turn, I can't remember. But he got his degree anyway, and uh, then he then he, he he wingled his way into journalism. He got a job in Fortnite magazine. He's getting about ninety pound a week, and but that was him. He got his NUJ card then. He was just elated over the moon. Then he got a job in the Sunday World, and you know. He'd done a bit of work for the BBC. He'd done a bit of work for the Irish News, but then he got a job in the BBC, or sorry, in the the full time job in the Sunday World, and that was him. He was he was the the proverbial, yeah, uh, what's that expression? He was a he was just a Rottweiler, basically. He was going after he, everybody, he no matter what what paramilitary group it was, what who you were. It was about. Um, crime and corruption and everything else and he I mean there was no you would you would say there was no bias there he 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 didn't care where it was coming from he didn't care if it was coming from a republican source coming from the loyalist source he went after them and you know it, it is he, he was courageous but courageous to the point of foolhardy because he just wouldn't let go he was abducted by the IRA over one of his stories. They found Morton's name in a, 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 a policeman's notebook, a detective's notebook. Morton's name was in it because he was one of Morton's contacts for, you know, a journalist, you have to talk to the police. A journalist, you talk to the police, you talk to the provost, you talk to the, you talk to the loyalists, you talk to anybody, you're going to get a story. And so the provost seen his name, so the provost says, will you come and meet us? And in South Armagh, and the, he met them, and they put a hood over his head, put him in the back of a car, and took him away and questioned him. And the time they finished, they satisfied themselves that this guy's not a type, this guy's a journalist. And at the, the time they satisfied themselves that Martin wasn't, he, he was a journalist, they shook hands with him. And says, sorry about this, shook hands with him and says, listen, good man, we're no nar. Well, what gave them the right or th- for them to ha- to think they had the power to do that? Martin was a journalist for a start. He was no longer a member of the IRA. <clears throat> was it because he came from a nationalist background or, or what was that about? I mean... The way the, the pros looked at it, there was a war going on and they had to do what they had to do. I didn't agree with uh, I didn't agree with the violence, but I can understand it from their point of view. But a, a scary experience. Did he t- ever talk about it to you? Was he, he, not he, did, uh, he did talk about it, but he, he. It didn't seem to really. It it did phase him. Like people take you away in the back of a car and. With a hood over your head? Hi. And they have, you know, they, they have. It's their yes or no that you live or die, you know? But they interrogated them and they satisfied themselves that they were barking up the wrong tree. He was he was just a journalist and he uh, was doing his job and 
they let him go and it, he didn't seem he wasn't emotionally traumatised or anything he was he just part of the job part of the job and then shortly after that their Billy Wright's crew come after him and the Sunday World uh, moved him to Cork and I wish to God he'd have stayed in Cork but he 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 was there on his own and he missed his family and he missed his home and he come back. And what year was that? Can you remember, Fenton? Or how long before? It was in the 90s. It was in the 90s. It was in the 90s. Uh, he moved to Cork and he was in the Sun, because the Sunday World would have had an office in Cork at that time. Yeah. And he stayed down there. Uh, did he continue writing about paramilitaries when he was down there or did they take him off that patch completely? You're not sure, probably. I'm not sure. Was there ever any negotiations or anything done, any mediators to, uh, you know, ensure safety? The, the, the cause on the street is I don't know, but I, I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, he come back. I don't know if he got assurances or not, but he did come back and he got stuck right in again. He just picked up where he left off. And so he, no matter what threats were issued to him, he just got back to it. There was no... The Billy Wright thing affected him more than the 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 Provo thing, I think. And like, I remember I used to live around the corner from him and he called in. I'm not sure if it was before he went or when he came back, but he called in to see me anyway and me and him sat at, at our kitchen table and drank a bottle of whiskey. And, uh, you know, like, Billy Wright, also an agent, also murdering with impunity. If this fellow's after you, if his crew's after you, they're not, as the journalists from the Sunday World said, the big thing, they're not extraordinary. They're not superhuman. They're just psychopathic killers. And if they're after you, and they have... They have the infrastructure to kill you. They have the immunity to kill you. They have the helping of the security forces to kill you. You're scared. And you're living right in his heartland. So he was apparently, he had been seen in outside Martin's house too, you know. And so, yeah, of course, that shook him. That shook him and it shook us. And we were saying, for Christ's sake, Martin, stay in Cork. And uh, God love my ma. My ma was, oh, did you see our, our Morton story in the paper? And she, it was near as if she had a premonition. And uh, yeah, she should have stayed in court. So the threats continued and probably by the, you know, sadly as a journalist, you sometimes get a wee bit too complacent because you're continually getting threats and maybe sometimes you have to move house. But Martin was getting those threats. Do you ever believe that he actually believed he'd be murdered? I think he he said, you know, after the Good Friday Agreement, he said his mantra was the war's over. And he moved where he moved to. Because according to him, the war was over. And there was a real good feeling of, you know, there was a real hope and there was a real, you know, Clinton was here, uh, John Hume, Tony Blair, Jerry Adams. They were all... Uh, Trimble, David Trimble, they were, you know, they were all doing their bit and they were all pulling us in the right direction and there was a real hope. And Martin thought, I can live. You know, you should be able to live where you want. You should be able to, you know, you shouldn't fear for your life moving to a certain area. And he foolishly thought, I'll move up here. And he made it easy for him. Billy Wright had been dead four years by that stage. 
did that take, you know, relief Probably. in any, because it was Billy Wright who seemed to have a real issue with Martin and his reporting. Mm. Well, Martin sort of, he coined the phrase King Rot. And, uh, he didn't like that nickname. No. And uh, he seemed to have, you know, his, his heart was set on getting rid of Martin. Is it true that he said, if anything happens to me, it should happen to Martin O'Hagan tenfold? Is that true? Is there any truth to that? I don't know. I've heard it. I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, then when he was killed, and, which, you know, anybody who pays attention to what's happening here and has paid attention, it was obvious that it was his own, his handlers, let him be killed. And he knew too much. He knew where all the he knew where all the buried, all the bodies were buried. He knew too much, so they killed him, or the the allowed him to be killed. Same thing. So when he was dead, I think it was a relief. And then, but you know, Billy's minions were still, you know, murderous psychopaths. And then when Martin moved up there, they they thought all their Christmases had come at once. They thought, you know, they couldn't couldn't believe their luck from their point of view. And they killed him. Martin had been working on stories surrounding collusion at that time. Are you aware of what that involved? Well, he was working on it. Apparently, he was working on a few different things. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of the stories are Martin done when he was when he was when he was trying to climb up the greasy pole of journalism were awful, and he would have admitted himself that they were awful, you know. But he was getting he was getting more. He he he'd, he'd made contacts within loyalism, and he and he was getting better at what he was doing, and apparently he was looking at a few different things. We'll never know because the police took all that away and we haven't seen it since. Yes, Martin's journalism material was seized by police and it was never returned to you well, or his family. To my knowledge, to the best of my knowledge, I can't speak for his, his late wife and children, but to the best of my knowledge, it's disappeared. Could you sum him up as a brother and as a human being? He's <laughs> uh, controversial. Yeah. Uh, he was game. He 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 was too game for his own good. He was too brave for his own good. Uh, courageous to the point of foolhardy. Uh, brilliant but a crack. Uh, very funny. Killed himself laughing at his own jokes. <laughs> uh, never had a rap. He was earning good money, but he never had a rap. <laughs> he would have, uh, he would have, as I say, it was controversial. He was fiery. He would have fell out with you, and it's, and his aim to get out of a pub was he'd have picked an argument and stormed out. At times, <laughs> four weeks later, he'd have been standing in a pub in the pub behind you. That's a pint of kid. You know, he's just he couldn't help but love him. Yeah, uh, but. He was no angel. He was controversial, and he, and, you know, and he, and he, he rubbed people up the wrong way, and he didn't cure. It was he, he was doing his job, and he was just uh, he loved it. He loved being a journalist, and uh, he just, you know, 
everybody let him down. That, you know, we have asked, with myself and my brothers, Woken Men, we have a reward, we've still a reward for 50 grand, which in the grand scheme of things is not a whole, not, mightn't be a fortune, but it's a fortune to us. We're Woken Men. Uh, well, I'm semi retired now, so I'm half a Woken Man. But, uh, like, we've asked the Sunday World to add that reward. Making stupid excuses not to do it. We've asked the NUJ to add that reward. Making stupid excuses won't do it. So they've all sort of let him down. The police has let him down by not nailing the killers. The is industry. That's the right way to describe it. Have let him down. You know, when you look in the Republic of Ireland, what they've done for Veronica Gearn. You know, Maggie Thatcher famously or infamously said that uh, where was it was as British as Finchley. You know, South Armagh's as British as Finchley, something like stupid like that there. If they killed a, a journalist out of the Times, what what do you got the same treatment? If they killed a journalist out of the BBC, what do you got the in BBC in England? What do you got the same treatment? You know? So it's 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 all it's they just let that the the lad Osborne's family down, the lad his wife and children down, is uh, erstwhile employers haven't uh, put their money where their mouth is. His union, he was a union man. He was a he was a, the NUJ uh, representative or whatever the way is described. They have let him down. You know, if they haven't let him down, add their reward. If three woken men, four woken men, can script the guy fifty grand for a ward, surely to God they can throw in a few thousand. Surely to God the Sunday world can throw in a few thousand. You know, put your money where your mouth is, boys. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.